This is Brain Fuzz, the art, music, and culture podcast with Joe Camusa and Matthew White. In part two of a two-part conversation, Joe offers a documentary recommendation. The canon conversation from episode 32 is revisited. Vinyl shopping strategies are shared. Matthew provides the audio pick of the day. The gentrification thread continues. And a young man plays basketball nearby. This is episode 35. I, I'm not going to go into depth on this, but have you seen, if you have not seen, uh, Don't Blink, the Robert Frank documentary, which I okay, guess no, just I seems to be making the rounds on various uh, platforms. Okay. Uh, it's definitely worth watching. That's somebody, I've, always, I've been a huge fan. Uh, I'm trying to think how many copies of The Americans I have purchased and given to folks. Um, great essay by Kerouac. But it's easy to like to, you can almost like, Norman Rockwell him and it's like that's not that dude did not sit still you know what I mean like and he still well, yeah. was working uh, like crazy um, but you know like worked did the all the photos for example on Main Street we made a film that will go nameless here that was not released and as Mick Jagger said like yeah it's a great film but if you show it we'll never be allowed in the States again yes yeah. yes 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 yeah, I'm yeah. aware of this yes yeah. and uh, but the one thing, though, is like, you know, again, you look at, it's easy for me, I think, to like, you pull a book off a shelf or something, and it's a lot of Robert Frank, but you suddenly, um, it's hard to maybe get the personality, and to see this guy on film, and he's like extremely cantankerous, very strong-willed, and just a character, I mean, just like, not gonna ask doesn't ask permission you know like and there is that breed of of artists and you think about like you know in that documentary there's shots of his loft in Soho or maybe even not even Soho maybe before Soho um and you see the conditions you know what they're dealing with as he put it like you know the basement was full of needles kind of stuff and, yeah yeah but to have that kind of personality that can be uh-huh. creative in that kind of like and again, that's the environment I know everyone wants to say how great New York was in the 1970s or whatever, but like, holy smokes. I mean, but you, you know, you're you almost talking third world kind yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this guy, and it was all about, I think production has a, I don't mean that in a negative way. This guy just kept working. Whether it was film or taking pictures or just I don't know. Again, when people say like, what do you do? Like, that's why it's, I always stumble over the word artist. Like, that some of these kind of folks that are just like you know you could probably put them in solitary confinement and they're still going to make find a way to make work out of something yes. like I yeah. used the dust off of uh, oh I gotta see this what, when was it when was it it was made I knew you were going to ask that it was made in 2015 and uh, I kind of stumbled onto it and I really enjoyed it um, so I'm just curious you know you've been Buying a lot of records. Is this the here we go? This is the gotcha moment. Is this the this gotcha? Is not a gotcha. Okay, See, you're, right. always, you're always feeling all very right. defensive about your vinyl. By the way, when we when we go to record stores together, I've figured out the appropriate <laughs> positioning is I got to get in first <laughs> yeah. to get ahead of this guy because he finds everything. <laughs> I have to distract. Oh no, you you, <laughs> and he'll still get like oh, and I will get fatigued or overwhelmed by the mold spores. Yeah, or. 
We had a we had the other day talk about distraction. You must have set that up ahead of time. It was like sewage, no, and an inveterate chain smoker that just left. Uh. Actually, that little there was a uh, like a metal pan with about I don't know, it looked like about seventy five half smoked cigarettes, Senecas, with a little bit of water, like rainwater that turns that. Golden, yeah. nasty, and I'm thinking if you could market that as an anti-smoke, just just yeah. have a whiff of that, you never yeah. smoke again. Every time you think you want a cigarette, just smell that, kids, ah. and no. go to the vape shop and just. <laughs> that was quite a that was quite an excursion. I just I didn't know. I that was I it, it was only open Saturdays. I thought, all right, you want to come up? Oh, meet me the, here. Yeah, that was. Um, I, I didn't expect that. But I, missed, I didn't I know a few. I, I think because I just. Was kind of uh, what's the stuff they use in the morgues? They put across like underneath the nose, so you don't. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah mm-hmm. I forgot that in the car, so yeah. I, I wound up missing a. I think looked like a first pressing of uh, Peter Gabriel. So, um, it um, I'm still I haven't cleaned it. Yet. I haven't put it through the hazmat uh, unit, but anyway, you you were going to ask me something. I was going to ask you something. All right, so you. Familiar with the Rolling Stone 500 Greatest Records of All Time. Yes. All right, so we had a, a, a guest uh, on recently where we talked at length about the canon. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking about, like, well, how is this thing the 500 Greatest Records? Right. Like, suddenly it's carved into amber and that's it? Yeah. So, apparently, and usually that's where it ends and I suck at research, and that's when you <laughs> pull out a device and be like, so, it says here... Um, so in two, it, so that was like in 2003 they asked 247 like I love this like music professionals like I wonder what does that mean it's like a clerk at Luxury or we love Luxury by the way shout out um, <coughs> you know to pick the 500 records I, and I remember that list and of course it was it skewed you know very very rock very white right you know, right very, yeah. yep. so and then so then again in 2009 this time they only asked 100 people but they're like, but from the same, like, okay. So and, they, so 247, they started with 250 and then three told them to pound sand. Is that? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. Did people just say, like, hell with you and your survey? Um, but I was just thinking, like, how does that work, though, in terms of, because new music keeps coming out. And if you go even just from 2003, like, how many records, if you were going to the Desert Island or mm-hmm. going down to Jamestown, what would you be taking with you? Um, the Deserted Island or the... Oh, yeah, yeah. Or just uh, the island. What if it's, it's just, just, it's just it's an island? It's just an island. An <laughs> I'd rather go to the island. island. Yeah, but, yeah, right. Then they have power. Um, so anyway, obviously they have... They have uh, yeah, that's my problem with... That's my problem with... They've the, rebooted. Yeah. And if you look through the list, it's like, suddenly it's like... So when did, this, when, no, when did this happen? The 2009 version is this all-inclusive where you go from like... You know, Johnny Cash to Blink-182 or yeah. you know, um, White Stripes and... It kind of, but those those lists. I mean, and why are people such suckers for lists? Why do we all want? Is it because you want to compare? Like, I have that record. I've listened. To, I don't agree with that. I like this. I don't like that. You, you, and that's why we developed the audio pick of the day. So here's here's the way that I look at that. It is not unrelated. All right. I believe that rather than that that list that canon is always changing. Right, I believe it's best to periodically kind of take a snapshot of what's happening 
you know, used to, it would be the stack of CDs in, in the car. Like what's the, you know, the, and you go, huh, these have stayed in the car for however long. And then these are, you know, and that to me was always the best indicator of what, what was important. The, the list now, I don't understand. And this goes back absolutely to that conversation we had in episode 30 something. Would you say he pushed back on the idea of the canon? What, what was how, how would you how would you describe uh, his response to this, the whole topic? I do think he pushed back on this notion of a canon that it's always changing, but he also recognized, which yeah. by the very nature of some of the artists that he was referencing or reverencing. Yes, yes. Um, but yeah, it has to be an ever changing. And I think, you know, obviously, like, Rolling Stone, I don't know what credibility they have with anybody anymore. But in terms of, I mean, to me, that's obviously a marketing... I just read Spin. Love still I was always well, a Spin, yeah. Any of them. <laughs> you know, but in terms of just, like, selling, selling, you know, again, according to whom? And, you know, here's something that just hit me the other day. You know, at least The New Yorker has upped their, uh, and changed, you know, a lot of their music critics... Except for like Alex Ross, who writes about classical music, and that guy's a genius. Uh, I love his take on things. Um, but you know, like the New York Times, and they're good writers, but it's like there's a problem I have, and I'm no spring chicken. When there's folks that are older than me writing about the yeah. hot new, yeah, or like you know NPR, and some of these things, like I really get a I mean, that Bob Boland dude that does all songs considered. I mean, there's, there's uh-huh. some great... Uh-huh. In terms of, like, how are you going to find new stuff in this, this day and age? You know, like, it's helpful. But it's... I have to say, like, you know... Some of the greatest writing that I experienced mm-hmm. about rock, and I also was a young kid, you know, but just, like, by people, like, that were, you know late early I mean not even 20 or early 20s I mean yeah. like, you think about even Lester Banks as he progressed yeah. but like and I hate to, I'm not trying to be ageist but there, do you, do you, does that make any sense you know what I'm saying but like when there's somebody that's been around and they're continuing are they trying to stay relevant by liking something like there's all this shit just starts to come into play that's always a factor but I think it's increasingly difficult now to do that you know you, you think back when you think about a canon you also think about you know what our guest was um, talking about. Uh, you know his first exposure to art, I believe, was in an encyclopedia. You kind of had this set. This is the accepted set of information that you're, we're given, and we're going to work from that. And then everything else was let's go get you know sure. sources uh, beyond that. But it was a set. However many bo- how many books were in the set of encyclopedias? Was it what? I don't know. We never you had know. the entire set. We had like one of the big ones, and then like a you know. Well, then then the next, you know, version would come out, and and, and so you kind of have that now. That's no. That's that model is 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 obsolete, and we have access to information that you know that's constantly changing. Well, I um I and I am I will name it. I am not a Spotify fan, mm-hmm. but the positive is like to look at some of my friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a brilliant filmmaker friend who is also a DJ, mm-hmm. and when I uh, 
when I look at the breadth of mm-hmm. knowledge or, or just range of, of styles, I'm amazed and I feel like that I know nothing about music. The feeling it's producing for me is like that there are a lot of these folks that are out there like polyglot. It's oh, okay. The, you know, like uh-huh. they, they're not caught up in all these... I like rock, I like metal, I like, it's just this amazing mixture. We've talked about like this also when you, in vine, the way a vinyl shop is organized. And, and I am a fan of, if I might, I am reminded of a vinyl shop that I did not name earlier in the Seminole Heights area of Tampa, which is an up-and-coming community. Um, a gentrify, what that is that gentrify? I've ne- I mean, yeah. I've never heard of Seminole Heights. Anyway, there's a great there's a great record shop there called Microgroove, and the reason that sticks out in my mind was as I'm walking in there, it's alphabetized. There are no genres. I think they might have had a couple where they were like, brick. I'll give you but the I love I, to me new and used all mixed. I like that. I tell you what, I can't stand. You're not there are a couple. Of, what? You're not overwhelmed by that? No, no, I'm not. I uh, I tend to. I like, um, I w- here's what drives me crazy. When you go into a record shop and you've got the new, I think the new and the new should mix. I think, I think that the, uh, I think that, uh, I don't think you should have a, se- a separate section for audiophile, you know, like, I, you know how that, I, I hate that. Well, especially if it's by band, if you've got the cars, Candio yeah. in whatever version, uh-huh. they should all be in the they same. They should all band. be in the same, so I, I can agree. choose from what, but... But my, I don't understand, I've said this before, that tags, this notion, this new way of organizing information that we have, you know, virtually, tags, the idea of tags works better than genre. And that is true with just about anything. This, this thing has these qualities. That works better than, okay, here are the blues records. Here's the Americana section. Here's the country set. I don't understand that. This is relevant to what you're saying uh, because as you look at the access to information and in, in your friend who has this great Spotify uh, presence, it knows no boundaries. But that's the nature of how we access information. It's not that at well, 26 also, or however many. That, no, but that also is indicative of like the ancient mixtape you know, culture. Right, that, that's that, true that too. Sort of, yeah, that's true know, too. Yeah, um, yeah. If you're listening to stuff every single day and having to choose what you want to listen to, every now and then, I mean, I think the ear and the eye like look, craves something new. Yeah. Or in a different pattern. Yeah. I mean, how many times do you, do you hear a song? I don't know how many mixtapes you've made in your life, but um, how many times do you like hear a song and you can? Anticipate, yeah. like, no. the Pixies, Surfer Rosa is about to start. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you put it on some yep. friggin' I've damn done, mixtape totally in 1980, that. whatever. Yeah, I've totally done that. And a fact checker, so like, oh, Surfer Rosa came out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. With apologies to, uh, although I think that was that was late 80s, wasn't it? No, I had I've totally done that, and that's because and that, so to break that chain. The, yeah, am I mixing my metaphors again? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Uh, well, no, I just thought Fleetwood Mac all of a sudden. Um, hey, by the way, so yeah. we had a a really good chat. A, stu- a sound designer 
Yes. That's coming up, folks. It's coming it's up. amazing. It, it, it's being, it's being. It's in well, extended, we gotta, expanded, and we extended. sound designer. We're going to send this to Bob Ludwig up at yeah. uh, Master Disc in Portland, Maine. Probably going to. Master Hot. Fly up there. Or maybe take, I've heard that musicians will sail up there. Who told me this story? I Who guess did? the story was that Springsteen would take his take his boat from. What? I'm assuming from the shore. I have never heard up this. to uh, yeah up to Portland, and and work with Bob. There's a parking garage above Master Disc. I remember this was huge news. This was like in the early '90s. Bob Ludwig, who looked pull out records, either Bob Ludwig, Greg Calby. There's a few folks that basically have mastered. Every single thing that all of us are listening to. I kid you not. Yeah, no, no, no. That, yeah. So there is an art to that. And where that's really born is listen to, if you ever pick a band that you like, if they have ever released demos. Yeah. REM comes to mind. Listen to the, I love REM. Listen to the demos. And it's like, oh, that kind of sounds like if you've ever been in a band or recorded your own music and you realize, like, it just kind of chugs along. The difference is the mastering in terms of like the really accentuating the peaks and valleys. Yeah. I mean, it blows me away. Like, yeah. So like in the case of uh, REM, like recording a John Keane in Athens, and, and like the, you know, it's a it's a tight production, but it does not have the dynamic range that the mastering. I mean, it's a completely different science, and uh, and our uh, our sound designer kind of oh. was talking a little bit about that. I mean, it's a, it is in, in the science, but the best part, and you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to credit our, uh, our, our curator friend here at the studio complex, but I believe uh, Bob Ludwig credits the weight of this parking garage pressing down on his studios, the weight of that, that creates the sonic... Get out. I'm not kidding. Wow, that's a story. That that's a story, but something. apparently, like all these musicians were coming. But yeah, Bowie and you know, but so Sixteen took took the boat. I recently stay. picked up uh, the Ludwig mastered copy of uh, House of the Holy, and on my Discogs account, uh, I on my want list, I have the uh, Led Zeppelin two, and there's a copy of it I've got my eyes on, and I just can't the I the, I. How much? I can't pull the trigger on it. How much? It. $90. And I don't think it's the greatest, but and there aren't a lot of great, you know. Which was the one on a previous break? That one, Led Zeppelin 2. So and when I heard the- it, I heard it in the shop in California, and I was like, oh, that is, there's something to that. Don't you think there should be, if you have something like that in your store, you should keep like a really good bottle of tequila, and you'd be like, look, come here. You just take four yeah. shot, yeah, and then just buy it and move on, and realize yeah. that you could have fed your family for. <laughs> no, it's killing. It's killing me. I, I, if I can. And now, the brain fuzz audio pick of the day. Are you familiar? The hardcore continuum with Howlin' Wolf's second album. No, because you know what? Also known as the Rockin' Chair album. No, I was late to the game on like buying yeah. blues records. So yeah. like, and you, you have to be careful because you're always buying this yes. repackaged like Howlin' yes. Wolf's greatest. Yeah, it's impossible to just jump in and buy a blues record. But the, origi- some jazz the originals are, are and the original, gone. yeah. So 
this one was on my list for a while, and I finally picked it up, and it it makes the audio pick of the day for several reasons. It has stayed with me, um, but then I'm also going to recommend an actual pressing of this that I've been impressed impressed with. Uh, yeah, but this uh, so understand that this is the singles from the late '50s and early '60s on a chess album because that's the way it worked. This wasn't some concept that's early blue stuff. concept. That's what you want. Right. Yeah. So and then they were packaging it together and then putting out the, the album. It also includes Hubert Sumlin. Uh-huh. And uh, most uh let's see, most of the titles are Willie Dixon tunes. And in and in one case, let's see, it looks like here that it's uh credited as Chester Burnett and and um Willie Dixon, which, you know, that's Howlin' Wolf's real name, Chester Burnett. This, when I listened back to this, and it's actually Friday, it's pressed by uh, Friday Music, and you have to be careful about these pressings. You and I have talked about this, but this is uh, Friday uh, Music, FRM 1469. Oh, you're right. I got, a, I got something the other day on 180, and I didn't buy it because it was 180. Uh-huh. Probably my own fault for not... No mention of remaster, but I thought it. Yeah, would. and this is where I think this is the this is where you your ghost was uh, haunting me because you were talking about not buying mm-hmm. post ninety. Uh, my cutoff for collect is, is so yeah, buying 90. a record that was all digital early nineties, uh-huh. but on one hundred and eighty. And I have to say, I'm gonna listen, I only listened to it once. I haven't uh-huh. cleaned it yet, but it was it was new, but it sounded pretty good. But it, but it didn't. It's one of those where you're like, I don't it, need this on the, the discs or you know even my computer playing it. Yeah, and I was, and that's where I was like, damn it, Matthew. Yeah, there's, you know. So you're right. This there's you there's something be, to uh, you got to be kind of picky with this stuff, and particularly like um, releases such as this one. So they've done it well. It's on 180 gram. It's it's thick. But man, I put this on, and it's rare that I'm just like, whoa, it did blow me away. The difference being in vinyl and then sitting in yeah. front of like Spotify or something. Um, it it strikes me as just, it's still, it's still very relevant. It's raw. And if you know, going like to the releases later, you, you remember uh, the London Howlin' Wolf sessions and the London uh, Muddy Water sessions. So what the, some of the muddy water stuff. Yeah, so the like, ch- yeah, so the chess guys they take these these legends over to to uh, London and they record with guys like Eric Clapton, Steve Winwood, um, Bill Wyman, Charlie Watts, um, and so it's it's nice. It's kind of nice to hear this combination of talents, but it doesn't have what these early recordings have, and I don't want to be one of those. One of those guys that will only buy the real, original, no, authentic I mean, I blues think records. What, what makes that sound so amazing, though, is like, what room was it recorded in? And maybe they used two microphones, you yeah. know, versus, and there's bleed, and there's, I mean, again, speaking of podcasts and insomnia, but I was listening to uh, one that was talking, and I just casually mentioned Dave Rawlings with Gillian Welch, and they, and, and these guys were getting really deep on, I think it was the Soul Journey record. And they were like, wait, wasn't that record, record that record done with only Shure SM57? Okay, yeah. And if you're, you know, you're like, yeah. okay, that's the, that guy's a workhorse microphone, yeah. usually seems to record parts of drums. Yeah. 
and like great for guitar cabinets and that sort of thing. Live people will sing through them, but normally the people do a 58, but you know, for vocals. But then, of course, in studios, you know, you picture it's going to be like the Neumann, you know, these uh-huh. $10,000 tube microphones. But you know, you think of like Sun Studios and like some of these yeah. little rooms, yeah. And um, you know, what makes I, I still think I one of my and you have a jukebox, which I always want to ask about, but like, so the jukebox at Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In Athens. Yeah. I'm sure they've changed some songs, but uh, for instance, like Link Ray's Rumble is on there. And there's some amazing songs on that thing. That, I don't even know how many speakers that thing has. You're in a bar. Yeah. That sounds better than like my stereo. Like I have, you know, Link yeah. Ray. Like yeah. What is that with. Is it the pressing? Is it the thickness of the? I mean, who the hell knows? Mm. But I mean, but I have been disappointed with some of like the blue. Like you got to be especially like the blues stuff because they just they put in early rock yeah. or seventies rock. Look how thin those records are. But I yeah. think when they started just getting greedy, just put everything they could think about versus you know like some of those early Buddy Holly records. They sound amazing. Oh. They leap off the turntable. Well, what, so there's, yeah, there's, I said earlier that, that, that there's a, a relevance there. It's, it's, what I'm saying is it hasn't, it's, it's almost timeless. And I hate to, I hate to say that, but there's something that resonates with you when you listen to this, that this is, this has authenticity to it or a greater degree of authenticity than if you were to go and listen to, like I said, the London Howlin' Wolf sessions, you know, probably a much more sterile recording environment. Um, the musicianship is unbelievable, but it, 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 what is it that it's lacking? Something that I thought about on this, as I was listening to, I thought of, thought of you because there's one track on the first side, who's been talking. And you see, when you listen to these tracks and that one in particular, how you have the evolution, you, you get Captain Beefheart soon, you get Tom Waits later and it and it's you see where Tom Waits was going with I would say Bow Machine, I'm trying to think of a couple of other records um, where it's capturing that kind of that sound that Chess Records, Howlin' Wolf, Willie Dixon. This record is not one to be missed. I tell you, just listening to it, it, this is one of those cases where the vinyl actually did make a difference. It just stays with you, and wow. Well, it kind of reminds me of uh, listening to Sound Opinions. I'm like. I'm like podcast guy. You, it's amazing. I don't know how you managed to consume. It's called insomnia. Okay. Yeah. I, I was. Know. I woke up at two o'clock last night. Recently, thankfully, it's been mostly like four, a bunch of fives. Five at least. You're like, yeah, I could lay here for a little bit and just get up. Might as well start. On, and then I'm always like, because there's nothing better than the first espresso of the day. <laughs> you know, you're like, yeah, all right, I'm good. But two, you're just that's a death sentence. So anyway. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Jim DeRogatis or Greg Cott. They uh, they've been around forever. Yeah, pillars of the Chicago uh, music scene. Um, sound opinions, you know. Anyway, they did a thing the other night on uh, classic albums, and they picked Exile on Main Street, which is fascinating. You know, because like there was some uh, always great if you can hear something new about a yeah, record that yeah, you love, yeah, yeah. and then also be like, I disagree with that point. I disagree with that point. And I'm like, you guys are like 
venerable rock critics that yeah. there were a couple lines in there where I'm like, I would fight you tooth and nail. See, I I agree with you. I listened to them. They did a, uh, I forget which episode it was, where they uh, they criticized Sgt. Pepper. Um, it was, I think a lot of that stuff I'll they say stuff. just to... I mean, just, just also having some things wrong where you're just like, no... And I mean, that's also... And I'm basing that on all that I have read. Yeah. And like, so you think it. factually they were wrong on some I think things. They were, they, I think they had some, yes, incorrect information. But it just... The reason I bring that up, because we're talking about, you know, if you're going to put something on a turntable, uh, you want it to sound live. And that's why, I mean, that's why I listen to... Still listen to records, and I... It's a, you know, you spend hours cleaning things, and... Because uh, it... Most of the time, it sounds amazing. It yeah. sounds yeah more live than, and this record in question just was like, wow, yeah, this is a casualty of that era. Beautiful performance, but it's just like, it, uh, it, music, musicians will realize like compressors. That's what it felt like. Everything was just kind of compressed into yeah. this. Yeah. And. Uh, you know, if you listen to jazz or blues, especially on a on a good stereo, it's like all of a sudden you know you can feel the space. Yeah, yeah. Between everything, I mean, yeah. I mean that's what that's what you're paying for, so yeah. to speak. Versus, man, I got to go clean some records now. I got I'm, I'm to. I, I got a new cottage industry. <laughs> I'm gonna do a brick and mortar record cleaning yeah. shop. That's it. Just bring me it's, your filth. But you can just sell like just a. You know what? Lottery claim would have um, maybe just ten items for sale. Always keep it to ten items, and then dry goods. Got the, some dry goods. And then there's going to be a wait for those records too. If oh, you're yeah. cleaning them, it's going to be. Well, I mean, you can wait, sure, or you can pick them up. Connect with Joe and Matthew and find out more about this and other episodes at BrainFuzzPodcast.com. On social media, share your thoughts and comments with hashtag BrainFuzzPodcast. Are you familiar with the hardcore?